Hello, sorry, YouTube. I was just trying to work out Instagram go live. Welcome to History Tea Time Chat. It's uh, the 19th of July. It's a Wednesday. I wasn't here with you last week, so um, let me tell you about where I was, what I was up to, um, and uh, and lots of things that have been going on. It has been incredibly busy here. Um, and anyway, so I'll, I'll tell you all more about that. Let me know where you're watching from. Um, give me a thumbs up that you can hear me okay. You know I have previous for um, for not having any sound. So hopefully that is not going to be a problem today. Um, Fonda Kelly joining from Thailand. Hello, welcome. So I can see quite a few familiar faces. Hi, Melissa. How are you? Um, so I am streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Um, it's a bit of an impromptu one today, but so much has been going on um, that uh, I'm pretty sure I can I can talk to you off the cuff about it all. Um, welcome from Argentina, Miss Lady Lay, uh, Colorado Megs, uh, Tommy's in Boston, um, Musea is in Oklahoma welcome um hiya Heidi over there in the Netherlands and Melissa over there in Cape Cod so and Brian of course in in Cornwall it's sunny yay you've got sun down in Cornwall which is where it should be <laughs> so I have just literally finished an interview with Gareth Russell uh, about his new book, The Palace, which I am very fortunate enough to have an advanced copy of. It is um, it is released in August uh, in the UK and various other places, New Zealand, I think you get it, um, in the US in December. And um, he was just explaining on the interview that he's just given to me that that's because he will be doing book tour um, you know, book tours. Uh, so it allows him to be in all those different places uh, in order to do that. So if you're interested in seeing Gareth speak and you're over in the US, then um, then follow him on Instagram and um, he will be able to, I'm sorry, he'll, he will share with you uh, dates of those sorts of things. So that is the reason though why there's such a difference between the publication dates of his new book. However, I have just interviewed a him about the book about some of my favorite um parts of it although it's very difficult to come up with part with my favorite parts that interview will be available to members of my patreon club on the 6th of august and everybody else on the 13th of august so um you won't have as long to wait for that as you will for the book there are a few people uh who I know will be joining me today or already here who are on tour with me and me and Gareth in September and um, you of course are able to order the book for Gareth to bring with him and give you a signed copy of. I ex Please excuse me if my voice starts to go today I have uh, managed to get a little bit of a cold going which is a bit annoying. Um, Caroline top of the morning to you. Welcome. So last week I was uh, away as you know, I'm, I'm, I don't share where I'm going beforehand for obvious uh, reasons, but I was down in Portsmouth, one of my favourite places. Seems a bit um, bizarre to be one of my favourite places, but it is. And it is uh, the home of Portsmouth Historic Dockyard, um, a dockyard since the time of Henry VIII. Um, his flagship, the Mary Rose, which sank not far from there in the Solent during um, the battle on 
this day, in fact, 19th of July, um, 1545. If anyone wants to Google check me, please do. And it sank in the Solent just off South Sea, um, very close by to, uh, to Portsmouth. And she is now, uh, after being retrieved from the bed at uh, seabed in 1982, is in her permanent home in the historic dockyard. So if you haven't had the chance to go and see her, um, uh, she's, she's amazing. And she is, uh, we say this about a few places, but she really is a Tudor time capsule. The reason being she sank so fast. There was, um, I think, 500 men on board, 35 survived, but everything went down with the ship, including clearly most of her crew. All of the artifacts, the um, uh, ordnance, everything went down. Now, some of it was retrieved, some of it initially. The um, the attempt to retrieve her actually began very quickly. Um, and the reason I was down at the Mary Rose Museum was to listen to Dr. Estelle Perron talk and Dr. Joanne Paul. And what Joanne was saying um, was, um, I'm going to put something in the chat, Melissa, just to see if it's working. <laughs> Um, oh, Edward was on HMS Victory. I will get to HMS Victory in a moment. Again, one of my favourite places to visit. But um, jo- uh, Joanne Paul was talking about, obviously, the Dudleys, her her book on the House of Dudley. Um, it is her first book. It's the book that's out at the moment. It's the one she's doing talks on. Now, uh, John Dudley, as his position of, um, I think it was Lord High Admiral, uh, Admiral, um, was uh was 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 there clearly at the battle of the solent so when the mary rose went down and one and he was he initiated very quickly an attempt to retrieve her after the battle and um john was explaining that actually these ships don't go to the bottom i never thought about this they sort of um float almost under the surface for a bit but it's very slow and the idea was that they would have two ships ropes and these ropes would be taken underneath the the Mary Rose the two two other ships would sail away from each other um which must be a feat in in itself before uh, mechanized um ships and and would lift her up to the surface fully with everything that didn't happen and um there were there were other attempts over time to to bring her up, but not until 1982 was she finally brought to the surface, taken to a dry dock in uh, in Portsmouth Historic Dockyard, and has gone through incredibly lengthy process to dry out the timbers because it, drying out it's it's a bit of a it's a bit mis- misleading term because all of the water pockets within the the wood have to be replaced otherwise the wood would um, where the, where the water's basically kept it swelled. Once that water, if you just dried it, the, the timbers would collapse. So it had to be replaced with like this waxy substance. That's taken years. Now, finally, she was opened up to the air. Um, she was stable enough to open up to the air a few years ago. So when you go, the first two levels, I think it is, it's three levels. The first two levels, I've been there loads of times and I can't even remember, two levels, you are behind glass when you see her. And she uh, is on one side and on the other side is 
um, the the artifacts that would have been brought up. So you have to imagine you're in the middle of the ship. So so her surviving is on one side, and then a recreation of the kind of things that you would find at that part of the ship would be uh, on your other side. On the top level, um, you're not behind glass anymore. You're actually you're in the same airspace as the ship, which um, feels very different, actually. It's, it's, it, I don't know why. I don't know why it would. I suppose because you're literally from being behind glass, you're, you're, you, you feel like you're, um, you're closer to her. And so, and, and in the Mary Rose Museum, and there's tens of thousands of artifacts that were brought up with her. And, the Mary Rose was commissioned by Henry VIII only a couple of years into his reign and she sank a couple of years before he died. So she spans his, pretty much his entire reign. And like I said, because she went down so fast, all of these tens of thousands of artifacts are were preserved and they are everything you can think of from the most personal items through to the cannon. Uh, her bell, the ship's bell, you might have seen I've done a reel of this, um, was discovered last, I think. Well, the story goes that, that, that the ship's bell was, was yeah, discovered um, as one of the final artifacts, which I find incredible and just looks like new now uh, and is on display. But all of these, um, sorry, a big wide variety of, of the artifacts are on display, but there's plenty more that's still in the, um, uh, just being kept in storage. I was very lucky. I got speaking to somebody, um, Pippa, uh, shout out to you at the Mary Rose Museum while I was there. And uh, she took me to see a special, uh, <laughs> special place, a special exhibit, which is uh, open only to sort of special um, visits. Um, so uh, I got to see even more stuff, uh, which was fabulous. So I will be looking to incorporate the Mary Rose into a tour at some point um, because I, I adore it. So as soon as I, I manage to find a way of, of weaving it into a tour story, I will be. Um, so Kath, where actually did the Mary Rose sink? So um, Portsmouth is on the south coast near the Isle of Wight. And the body of water between the Isle of Wight and um, and the the English mainland coast is called the Solent, and that's where she um, where she sank, where she went down. And she's half preserved because um, over time the uh, exposed timbers have been worn away with the you know the currents and whatever. So the the half that sank into the mud is the preserved half. She's fabulous. She's fabulous. Um, so I was there uh, listening to, uh, like I say, Estelle and Joanne do their talks. Joanne, um, as I said, talks about the House of Dudley, which was, oh, I'll come back to Joanne's actually because that ties into something else, but also Estelle. Estelle was talking about uh, her, her um, the topic of her book, which you can read, it's out now, um, which is... Uh, Blood, Fire and Gold, um, a dual biography of Elizabeth I and Catherine de' Medici. And she just speaks off the, um, just, uh, she just speaks. She spoke for like three quarters of an hour just on how 
um, uh, important, intriguing and um, captivating the these two women were because of course they were contemporaries and before Estelle's work there isn't really anything that looks at um, at these two queens and their relationships now you know incredibly you think of Elizabeth I the virgin queen she gets her power from ruling alone she doesn't marry she doesn't have children she sees a threat in that because as soon as she marries and especially if she has children especially if those children are male she will be immediately uh, sidelined. That was her fear. Whereas Catherine de' Medici, queen consort, of course, so slightly different um, or different uh, situation, but gets her power from being the mother to the king. She's not very powerful as queen consort when her husband is a, is alive because he has a favourite mistress who really has more of the political um, sway. But... Once her husband dies and her sons succeed on on the throne, she that's where she gets her 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 power. So you have this contrast of these two very powerful women, very powerful women, getting their power from the exact opposite situation: one a virgin, one a mother, and that's where they get their power from. And, and Estelle spoke about this also. The just their actual relationship, the marriage negotiations, which went on for a much longer period than I had realized before I read Estelle's book. I'd highly recommend it if you want to understand more about Elizabeth's reign and especially actually the the, the part of, well, was she going to marry or was she not going to marry? Um, it was very, it was fascinating. Joanne spoke about, like I say, the house of, of Dudley, her book. And, um, and it was great to weave in the story of John Dudley and, and to him trying to raise the Mary Rose as we were in uh, in the Mary Rose Museum at the time. And Joanne's book was the subject of our latest book club meeting, which only took place on Sunday. Um, and if you if you join Patreon or if, you, if you're a patron and you didn't make that meeting, um, the, the meetings are recorded with everyone's permission anyway, uh, so usually record it and put it into Patreon. So even if you're new, if you join after and you want to just see how Book Club runs, you can watch one of those meetings. And next um, book, which I haven't got to hand, which is a bit silly, is The Houses of Power by Simon Thurley, which is about the Tudor palaces, which shaped uh, the, the buildings which shaped the Tudor, Tudor world. Um and that meeting will take place on the 17th of September. So if you're interested in taking part in book club, um, if you go along to Patreon, um, many of you are, are in there already. I know you are, um, but you can, um, you can join. And that's, that's just, that's literally just one thing. That's one thing that we do. The, the um, uh, interview that I've just done with Gareth, uh, patrons were able to put, um, oh, hi Maria. Um, yes, I'll see you later. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're a patron, um, like Maria, then you can put, uh, paused on Instagram, never mind. You can put your questions to, um, yeah, just pause on Instagram. You can put your questions to, to, in, um, sorry, to historians. So, um, and also you get the, the extended ad free, let's go ad free, yeah, version of the, uh, of the interviews. So, Anyway, that said, um, uh, Joanne's book was the topic which we um, 
which we spoke about on Sunday. Beverly's got, she's read Blood, Fire and Gold and got the House of Dudley from the library ready to read. You'll love it. Both of them give a, a fresh perspective. Actually, this is what came out in the discussion we had in Book Club, a fresh perspective on a story you think you already know, the Tudors. But so you're learning about people you may may have not read about before. I certainly hadn't read about Catherine de' Medici. I hadn't read on the Dudleys themselves. And it might be that actually the work wasn't necessarily out there before these books because Joanne definitely came across stories that she hadn't um, encountered before while she was researching the book. So she didn't expect to find these stories. So if you, when you read The House of Dudley, you will come across new things and it's because she's found them, which... Um, which is very exciting, isn't it? I I love the this this class of historian we, we we're getting, which is, um, which are who are prepared to relook at something that has been taken to sort of be uh, assumed to be an exhausted source or um, a story that's already been told too many times, and you know, and they're going in. Kate McCaffrey springs to mind most definitely with her work on Anne Boleyn's Book of Hours. Very, very fortunate that Kate spoke on the private life of Anne Boleyn. Um, book, uh, sorry, tour even uh, a few weeks ago, and again, if you're in Patreon, you'll get to see that talk. I'm going to make that one available first we've got all the talks or the ones I've recorded from the tours those talks will be made available in Patreon over the next few months I will spread them out but I'm going to do Kate McCaffrey's talk on um, Anne Boleyn's and Thomas Cromwell's Book of Hours I'm going to put that one available first because it's ongoing research so where she's at with it now she may well make more discoveries um, as well and if you can get to Hever um Anne's book and Thomas Cromwell's book is on display together at the moment and it and it it, it pushes the boundaries of um what was ex accepted or believed to be the case in terms of Anne's um religious beliefs and then Thomas Cromwell's religious beliefs now what is really refreshing is Kate for example Joanne they're not claiming to know the answers if there's a question that is thrown up it will be the question they will ask and they won't pretend that they know the answer to rather um refreshing gareth russell who, who i've already mentioned a million times says if you meet a historian who says i don't know or i've changed my mind if they never say either of those two things you probably haven't met a decent scholar so um so yeah, so that was so 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 that was not the only thing I got up to in Portsmouth. Though the Mary Rose was not the only thing I uh, I, I visited in Portsmouth Historic Dockyard. Um, excuse me for sniffing; I have got cold. Um, there ha uh, there are two other ships of note of interest: HMS Victory, which I think uh, Edward just said he was singing there yesterday. Um and the warrior so hms victory is the um is the ship on which nelson was uh, killed during the battle of trafalgar and you 
you can explore most of the ship. It's it's having some some uh, restoration work doing on it at the moment, but most of the ship you can um, you can explore. You can see there's a plaque on the floor where uh, Nelson fell. And you can also uh, go underneath to the poop deck, I think they call it. Um, sorry, I'm not a sailor, <laughs> clearly. Uh, where there's a lantern and a, uh, a laurel wreath um, uh, on the side, uh, on the inside of the ship, and a lantern there where he where he actually died. I went. I, I in order. I saw in chronological order. I visited the Mary Rose, then the um, Victory. And then, which is a Georgian ship, and then the Warrior, which is a Victorian ship, and it helps. It, you you could go and go want to see the Mary Rose because you know you're interested in Tudor history, for instance. But do go and see the other ships because the the um, the ways in which excuse me, the ways in which these the sailors would have lived, worked, all within the same place. Um, I don't. It seems to be very similar as you look through, so as you go through. So it gives you a, a, a fair idea of what it might have been like on the Mary Rose by going and having a look at the victory. So, for instance, the tables on which they ate were the same, uh, were right next to the cannon which that that um, group of men would have, would have manned during a battle. It might also be where they, well, I think it was also where they sleep, so they're... they're um, over the, uh, the same sort of space, then their hammocks would be put up at night. So, and you can see the hammocks. You can also then go into Nelson's um, um, cabin. Couldn't think of the word then. His rooms. Uh, yeah, Nelson's cabin and see just how much space he had um, in comparison. But of course, he's doing very important things like directing uh, how how the battle is going to going to go from the uh, from the English side. Then I went to visit um, the Warrior, and the Warrior is a Victorian ship. She was never used in anger, actually. Um, she is a hybrid of wood and iron, um, coal-powered. I found it incredibly eerie. I I don't generally get spooked, <laughs> but for some reason, and I have been there before, but for some reason in the... Um, uh, the 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 furnaces. Um, what do you call it at the bottom of the ship where they where they would have stoked the fires? Um, for for the for the engine, I I I got spooked. I I, <laughs> I had to kind of I went in and sort of went very quickly through. Got one picture, I think. Never happens to me, but it did happen to me that day. So you know, maybe maybe there's something going on there. Um, but she's facet, and again, you can see how the sailors. Um, lived and worked in the same spaces, close proximity to other people. Um, you get a feel for, you know, if there was, if there was, um, if there was uh, boilers. Thanks, Colleen. <laughs> the boilers, yes, down there, because as well, it was quiet. Now, of course, it was quiet. There's no one there. There's nothing. It's nothing happening. But it creaks still. So the warrior is still sat in water and it creaks still. Um, and then I got to imagining, well, how loud would it have been in here with, um, I don't know how many there were, maybe 16 or 20 furnaces. Um, so can you imagine the men? 
like shoveling in the car and the, the heat and the noise and the smell. Um, it must have been incredible. Yeah, so I got thinking about that and then spooked myself out and, and had to <laughs> and run through. Interesting. Well done, Philippa. Now, that was not the only thing. Those were not the only three things I've, I was um, looking at at, uh, at the dockyard. I walked into a gift shop, just one of the gift shops, as you do. And I saw a book on the Armada maps. This is a little book. This is the book. If you're listening on the podcast, it's just a um, sort of small, glossy um, mini book about something called the Armada maps. And I picked up the book and thought, well, that's very interesting. I, obviously, I want to know more about the Armada, whatever I can read. And took it um, took it away with me. This is the day bef- uh, of the evening talks that I was, ha- I was going to visit, uh, sorry, that I was going to see at the Mary Rose Museum that evening. And when I got speaking to the lady from the Mary Rose Museum, um, um sorry Melissa's Melissa's on catch-up and apparently when I speak at one and a half times the speed I speak like a New Yorker (laughs) um so yeah so the Yamada maps anyway so I picked up this thing I I, and and I was speaking to um this lady called Pippa at the Mary Rose Museum later on that evening and she said have you seen the maps and I said what do you mean seen them no I just picked the booklet on them she's like they are they are on display where and you had to go through this um gift shop through a a big room um, uh, display about nelson and the victory which is very interesting um another corridor and two more spaces before right at the end was the armada maps now i will be writing a blog about these um which will go into my um patreon and it will be on the paid Substack. um excuse me sniffy i'm so sorry but the armada maps they're fascinating so they were created um following the um uh following the the, the spanish armada in, in 1588 um also silkworm tells have you ever visited buckler's hot buckler's yard <laughs> it says hard but i think um where the vessels were built for Nelson's Navy near the New Forest. I haven't. I, I, I'm, I'm going to, oh, some of these places, they take me so long to get to that I, I, I go and I, I do a load of things. So that could go on my list for when I'm next in that area. That's really great. Thank you. Um, oh, it is hard. It is hard. I beg your pardon. Thank you, Edward. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, interesting so um yeah so I will write a a blog about the Armada maps for for other people who've not heard of them they are um like I say they were they were created soon after the Spanish Armada of 1588 by um uh Lord uh Howard um what's his full title Admiral Howard Lord let me go it it is it's like it's ridiculous Lord High Admiral Lord Howard of Effingham there you go and they seem to have been created to go with a written account of the Spanish Armada for Elizabeth I so these maps Elizabeth set her eyes on these to understand how the um, how the Armada had gone now there's a few things in there that 
um, that I think might be a surprise. If they're a surprise to me, hopefully they'll be interesting and a surprise to you. How long the battle was fought over was one of the things. Um, how much strategy was actually involved? Now, I feel, and tell me if you've heard different, but I feel like the, the Armada is put across as kind of um, a, a lucky English victory. Um, the Spanish weren't prepared, the English weather got them, uh, that's it. And the English didn't really do um, a whole lot. Well, the maps, to me, uh, at least tell a, a, a different story to that. Um, there's a lot of strategy involved, a lot of interesting manoeuvres, um, a little bit of Drake going off and doing his own thing at one point, which is a bit naughty. Um and the maps though tell 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 the story. This is ten. They were created in in England, but on um, paper, which had come well, paper for a start, which came from the Rhine, probably, mm, it, probably uh, came from the Rhine region. Uh, there's a watermark on there, uh, which seems to indicate that probably created, um, almost definitely created by Flemish artists cartographers who were in uh in the country at this time um because there there are um uh words that are in 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 flemish um the points on the compass um now i'm presuming i'm okay to show you a little bit of them this is the book so if you if you want to get hold of this book i don't know if you can can find it but it's from the national museum of the royal navy so that's a museum at portsmouth portsmouth historic dockyard they clearly have a lot of wonderful treasures now what i well there's loads of things i found fascinating with so so here is i don't know if i can show you that on youtube or you can just about see um now the color which is really quite cute because you have um little flags uh in color um but apparently the colour was added in the, um, I want to say, I don't know if it's the 19th or 20th century, but anyway, when they were sold, they um, they would, um, yeah, Cathy, need to get down to that museum, but it would be a fair old track. It would from Lancashire, but oh. you could do Porchester while you're there. Um, you could go over to the Isle of Wight and see Osborne House, which I've still not managed to do, actually. Um, there's quite a bit down there, so you could you could maybe... Um, create a little itinerary and make it make a few days of it um, but yeah the color to these maps was added um, much later on centuries later in order to make them more saleable it does appear to have done that um, and um, so like I said they, they give a step-by-step -step pretty much um, uh, account of of the battle in visual form um, uh, I forgot what the bit I was going to say about that though. There's something else I wanted to tell you about that. It, maybe it'll come back to me. The, oh, I might be leaving it for the blog. It ties in with the Tilbury speech. I'll, I'll leave that to the blog if you want to know why, how it, how it, uh, how it ties into the Tilbury speech in a surprising way, then I will, um, I will include that in the blog. Um, but yeah, so you can see, um, all so here you've got the Spanish fleet. Where am I? Spanish fleet here. 
its direction of travel. Um, sorry, no, not that one. That is showing um, them capturing a fishing boat, trying to um, get more information. And this is the, um, I can't remember which ship that is, but anyway, it's it's going into uh, into Plymouth and firing a shot. That's, that's the warning shot to let everyone know um, there that the, that, the, that the Armada has been sighted and are here, ready to go. Um, oh, Edward also says, Palmerston's Forts, Fort North. Is that is that somewhere else we could go? Similar area, brilliant. Okay, fab. So there's also um, follow-on stuff from, from the maps. The maps were made into tapestries. The tapestries were at... Palace of Westminster. You can see them in engravings of um, Charles II sitting uh, in the House of Commons. They were destroyed in the fire that destroyed the Palace of Westminster, sadly. However, also um, uh, there, were, there were drawings made of them um, by someone called Pine who sort of said, well, if there's a fire, we're not going to, you know, we're going to lose these. And he made um, copies of them thank goodness the maps themselves these maps were bought in 2020 so I had missed this completely perhaps it was in the news but there was quite a lot in the news in 2020 um, and it wasn't all good now the the a rare bookseller sold these maps and they were going to go to somewhere in the US I think it was a US buyer now there is I'm happy to say which I didn't know before this there is a um, committee for the export of works of art, which put a stop on it. And what they do is if they identify something that is of um, national importance, uh, that's about to go abroad, they can put a stop on it and see if they can find a domestic buyer, which is what happened. And the, um, the National Museum of the Royal Navy were able to purchase the maps. They are on display for a very short period of time when they are out um, because of how delicate they are. Um, it's, it was just wonderful, a chance conversation. And I get to see these, these maps and I will, I, like I say, I will share, um, I will share more about that in, in, in a blog that I can, than, than I can do here. Um, oh, I need to, um, say some thank yous actually. I've, I've, I wasn't here last week, but I've had, um, so I wasn't able to do some of these last week, but I've had so many people join my Patreon. I'm really, really grateful. It's fabulous. We're nearly up to a hundred members now. Um, book club was fabulous. Uh, the questions that everyone puts forward for, for our historian interviews are fabulous. Um, we have, uh, at the moment, only patrons can book onto the Anne Boleyn tour, which is an extra Anne Boleyn tour that I've put on next year. There's so many people on the waiting list for 2025 that I've managed to put in a, that I've decided and I've managed to put in a second um, Anne Boleyn tour, which will run from the 30th of April till the 4th of May. Now, if you're in Patreon and you want to book onto that, um, you can now. Uh, it goes any spaces that are left after the after patrons have had their seven days um, first dibs will be, go on sale on Monday. Um, um, and Kate McCaffrey has just confirmed to me that she will be able to do a talk on that tour. Anyone who's been following me for a while or, or that are interested will know that the, um, the, the, the Amberlynn tour 
runs usually from the 16th till the 20th of May. There is That one is fully booked for next year. But that one coincides with the 19th of May, which is the date that Anne Boleyn was executed and we go and visit the Tower of London. This um, second tour that I'm, I'm putting on from the 30th till the 4th of May, so it's actually earlier, coincides with a visit. We're going to go to the Tower of London on the 2nd of May. Now, the 2nd of May is the date that Anne Boleyn is arrested at Greenwich. She is brought by barge up the Thames. It takes hours because they are um, rowing against the tide. And she finally lands at the Tower um, uh, and at, at the pier. And she is brought in. Um, not via Traitor's Gate, via a door which you can still see. And I have a, a reel of, of that actually on my Instagram. Um, she's brought there, of course, never to leave. I think it's a really poignant day. It's going to be um, um, a really good day to go and visit the Tower. So so that's all good. So if you're interested in that and you want to join, we are half full already and I only put it on sale Monday. So if you are interested, please, please, please do jump on that. Um, but I must say thank you to Ellen, Diane, Lisa, Lindsay, Sandra, Jacqueline, Jenny, Nancy, Jean, Tracy and Holly, who have all become patrons in the last couple of weeks. Um, welcome. It's fabulous. And um, I saw some of you there at Book Club on Sunday. Um, uh, another thing uh, I will mention just before I leave you to your day is the rise of the Tudors. If you're interested in looking at Henry VII and Arthur Tudor, the earlier part, we're going to be going to Wales, which um, I've had feedback from from people who want to travel Tudor history that Wales is like somewhere that they would prefer to be taken to just because of how um, how long it takes to get to places. We're going to visit Pembroke Castle. We're going to visit Raglan Castle. We're also going to go to Gloucester Cathedral because we're passing by its door and it's just too beautiful not to. We're going to go to Winchester Cathedral. Um, we will be going to Ludlow Castle, which is where Arthur Tudor died. So we're going to Winchester, which is where he, where Arthur Tudor was born, Ludlow Castle, where Arthur Tudor died, and Worcester Cathedral, which is where Arthur is buried. Um, it's also Elizabeth I. There's, I mean, there's loads more to it than uh, than than just Arthur's links, but um, that will that's that's three quarters full. I think actually I have two rooms left on that. So again, if you're interested, that is out on general release for bookings now. So if you're interested in doing that, it's September. 2024 um get baton because that is that is nearly full um so um i will leave you today next week i'm going to be slightly tea time live will be slightly later or earlier i might do it earlier actually keep keep your eyes open i might do it no i'll do it later because a lot of you join from america don't you and it'll be it'll be in the middle of the night um because i'm heading to harvington hall for their history festival and listening to a speaker uh at well, i'll be still be listening to him at one o'clock so i will see you after that and tell you all about that as well uh then i'm going to be having a couple of weeks off so i will then be back but i'll tell you all more about that next week um Edward, thank you. Yes, uh, so Palmerston's forts are on the ridge above Porchester Castle. Oh, my list is growing. My list is growing. I my 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 vision is to have a, a VW transporter, and I'm just going to go around to all these places. Um, right, everybody. Uh, I will um, speak to you all next week. Thank you so much for joining me, and uh, 
yeah if you want all these extras please do go over and visit patreon.com forward slash british history i'd love to see you there all right everyone see you soon bye bye